0: Quite candidly, I think a management team should be fired if they don't continue to provide growth or the opportunity or create excuses. We have entered this pandemic and leave this pandemic with 120 more schools open than we started this pandemic with. And we (laughs) left this pandemic from the high of 26,000 kids, going to 6,400, to 40,000 kids this year.
1: This episode is made possible by the good people over at The Learning Experience, a leader in childhood education. They've created one of the most trusted and fastest growing brands in the child care industry. Now, my wife and I both have demanding business responsibilities, and we recognize how important it is to have supportive childcare. This can cause a lot of parental anxiety, and it's important to have child care that you have confidence in. With more than 300 operating centers and more than 250 under development, the learning experience delivers a safe and joyful environment where more than 37,000 children are happy to learn, play, and grow every day. Now, in this episode, you're going to hear more from Richard Weissman, who founded the learning experience more than 20 years ago with a passion for early childhood education and a unique approach that drives learning and development through the eyes of their customer, which is the child. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lead the Team. I've got a great one in store for you today with Richard Weissman, who is the chairman, CEO, and co-founder of The Learning Experience. Since launching the franchise business with his family back in 2002, Richard has built the brand into one of the largest childcare and early education franchises in the United States with over 300 centers operating nationwide and hundreds more and development, both domestically and internationally. Now, if you're not familiar with the learning experience, it's the nation's fastest-growing academy of early education franchise, educating and enhancing the lives of more than 36,000 children ages six weeks to six years old annually. Now, also, we got to give a shout-out for all of uh, the accolades here, including being named, uh, let's see here. i go make sure I get this right. Since its inception, it's routinely named as one of the top franchises across industries by Entrepreneur Magazine and Franchise Business Review. Richard, welcome to Lead the Team. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. So let's dive in here. So what was the key to the learning experience's record growth during the pandemic, when, when, frankly, so many organizations were hitting pause on growth or even shutting their doors?
0: Um, You know, I got to be quite candid and, and upfront with you because I just don't believe that any management team should have an excuse of stopping growth during any economic cycle. Listen, we are both of an age, we have seen multiple economic cycles. And quite candidly, I think a management team should be fired if they don't, Continue to provide growth or the opportunity or create excuses. And I've seen mm-hmm. in multiple cycles, this company is 20 years old, and I've seen multiple times where I've read a prospectus and the management team says, oh, we're going to sit there and cut SGNA, we're going to slow up sure. growth, and we're going to wait for the storm to ride out. And then we'll grow again. That's, to me, total bull. Uh, for us, it was a no excuse. It was the company was built for the worst of times, we knew mm-hmm. how it would react. We had 50% growth of the organization in 2009 and 10 during the last recessionary cycle. Um, And so for me, the first great opportunity for this organization is making sure that the management team was all aligned and that the rest of this system, you know, as they say, drank the Kool-Aid. Stop believing what you hear on the news and Mm. believe how this company was gonna react. And I knew exactly how this company's react. To tell you how much we knew this company was gonna react, we went from, at the time to tell you how much growth we had, we went from, in April, 2020, when this hit, hmm. we went from 26,000 kids to 6,400 kids in one week. We hmm. prepared in two weeks, right after that, a plan called Ramp Back. And I gave, we gave an entire uh, business model of how to ramp back. We missed our business model by 2% in December, 2020. Oh wow! We will, we will, we have entered this pandemic and leave this pandemic with 120 more open schools open than we started this pandemic with, and we oh. left this pandemic from the high of 26,000 kids going to 6,400 to 40,000 kids this year. So we just continue to say, stop believing everything you hear out there. Focus on your business fight every day to keep your business open because I was a true believer that momentum breeds momentum. And if you, a lot of businesses that took the opportunity to close because business shrunk, the fact of the matter is to reopen is a lot more effort than continue the momentum to rebuild back. So for us, I'll give management 100% credit um, and leadership. And because honestly, we I did weekly CEO calls with every single center. And we're about 88% franchise and 12% company-owned. The entire system, the entire franchise, every employee, a weekly call and said, this is exactly what's happened. And I had one Mm. prediction. Uh, We would leave with more operating centers and the franchisees would have more cash in the bank exiting COVID than before. Cause I saw that in nine and 10 that the government was gonna overreact, throw a lot of cash in businesses hands. And that that was going to be right in front of us. Wow.
1: Well, congratulations on all, all that. The mentality of that, we're going to win. We're going to come get through this even stronger. Where in the world does that mindset come from? Because it, you're right. I mean, it seemed, I mean, I remember lockdown state. I mean, you're in a lot of different states all kinds of different messaging coming out in the early days of the pandemic. And so you said one thing was you were having weekly calls with your CEOs. So you're trying to impart the message that you're wanting to for them to understand in your vision. But maybe roll back, let's roll back a few years. Where in the world did this come from <laughs> for you? Where'd you develop this sense?
0: no disrespect it comes to gray hair so uh, honestly <laughs> i have no I, hair so I, 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 I i i will say to you um nothing plays a better role than experience and i'm 58 i have been in the preschool business 40 years my prior life was investment banking and i had seen multiple multi-recessions i mean whether it was a dot-com mm-hmm. craze bust or the 9/11 happening or the just a multiple 2009 and 10 credit crunch recession and the fact of the matter is is that you always have those cycles they that's not a that's that's a com- that's a common of all our life cycles in business and that is is that listen there was wars there was you know uh transitions at home and there was bank closures there's credit market crunches it always happens and so you always should have a plan because it's going to happen you have a hundred anybody who starts a business should plan for the worst case scenario because there's 100%, not 99%. There's 100%. If you are around long enough, you're going to get hit with that cycle. So for us, it was history. We knew how the business mm-hmm. was going to react. Now, listen, with all due respect, I had never seen COVID before. and yeah, I mean, He's ready for that? Yeah, correct, but, and I, but I assumed that COVID, again, I never seen 9-11 before either. So I had honestly assumed that Everything has a ramp back. Everything comes back. It wasn't the world wasn't coming to an end. I knew we were going to react to it. Um, and so was the fact of the matter is, is that fight, fight, fight. Um, you know, honestly, that came from my father. Uh, you know, anytime I wanted to quit something, my father would say to me, uh, you have two choices in life. You can be a quitter or you can come out fighting. And uh, honestly, there's never a moment of time that you should not fight. Um and honestly, just push your way through everything because it's much easier to quit than it is to fight through it.
1: Mm. So why an early education franchise? You could have gone into a lot easier industries, probably the one that's regulated differently by every state, dealing with children that have, I mean, there's lots of laws and regulations. I'm not an expert in the space, but I know there's a lot to navigate. So why in the world do you go into that industry?
0: You know, that's a really interesting question you pose from your perspective. The truth of the matter is I look at it just the opposite. I'd much <laughs> rather be in the preschool business than a lot of other businesses. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't want to wake up at four in the morning and start baking donuts. So, uh, <laughs> and truth of the matter is our customer is, <laughs> and again, this sets us apart from the entire world of preschool. We just truly believe our customer is a child, not the parent um and kind of seeing through the eyes of the child which is a very disney-esque concept it's so why do what is disney it's seeing through the eyes of the child and which i I, i'm a huge fan of the the fact of the matter is, is we love our business and the children are you know it's just an amazing thing when we wake up every morning children gain a majority of their iq before the age of seven we're providing this exceptionally socially responsible investment Uh, I love the opportunity to take that responsibility and advance it and really at the end of the day, focus on having the best education and the best customer experience for that child. Uh, That is just exciting to me. And anybody who wants to wake up in the, in the day and say, I'm taking care of kids and go to work and see kids, it's much easier than you know being in maybe even a senior care home and dealing with elderly people. So for me, I look at it completely opposite than the question posed, and that is, is that I'd much rather be in the preschool business than any other business, and I don't find it difficult. What I find is business is business. And what we have to distinguish in our business, which is more of the hurdle in, my, in our business, is that we're a business that takes care of children and educates children. And sometimes the word business and child don't mix, but the truth of the matter is we spend more on our children than we spend anywhere else. It's second only to, I think, healthcare. And so for us, um, you know, as long as we focus on business, you know, some people, you know, especially in society today, you know, business may be this bad word, but the fact of the matter is the more profitable the centers can be, the more investment we can put into the centers, the more the equipment is updated, the more the latest computer technologies. Uh, we spend millions a year in technology and, and the opportunity that all costs money. So we driving that optimization and utilization at the centers and driving more marginal profit it allows the centers to shine and to provide the best in class. Um, so we just like the, the
1: business itself. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you mentioned it. So you, you draw inspiration from the kids. Uh, you also draw inspiration from Disney, which I think is pretty cool. And I have had that experience where taking my daughter to Disney World. And I mean, it's clear who the customer is. You know, the parent may be paying the kid is the customer because I mean, they are greeting the child, they are just like, "Hello, Princess, is your birthday?" I mean, whatever. It's just over the top. Uh, is there, are there any specific other other specific Disney lessons that you take away that sort of inform your leadership experience?
0: You know I uh, I had indicated there are a few companies out there that I have utmost respect for brand. Um, and the things I take away from Disney is, is two material factors, one, recognizing who the customer is, which is the child and that the, that the parent sees it through the eyes of the customer, which is the child, same thing with us, our customer and the results that we drive is the child, their reading of the ABCs, their education is the result of us respecting our customer and providing mm-hmm. the best in class to our customer. So again, a great lesson from Disney on that, who the customer was. Second great lesson is brand, 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 brand. I can say it a thousand times. Yeah. Um, I, I very much focus on brand. Everything we do is, if we do Y, how does it affect the brand? If we do X, how does it affect the brand? It is all about brand loyalty, brand perception, customer experience of that brand, brand perception by the customer, and we need to focus on brand. I don't believe any of my competitors do it. I don't believe anybody really believes that brand has loyalty at the preschool level. I truly do believe it. Mm-hmm. And there has to be some credibility that we ramp back far faster than any of our competitors, you know, during the pandemic, there has to be some loyalty to that brand Mm -hmm. and some value to that brand. And so the two things I learned from Disney is ultimately respect the brand and how it's represented by your customer uh, and perceived by the rest of the world, as well as who the customer is.
1: Yeah. One of the first, speaking of brand, one of the first things that we were doing, doing my research here that leapt out about leapt out at me was you are the learning experience. There are not that many companies that have the, like, I was like, it's, it's the learning experience. Talk to me about the branding with, with the name of the, of the company in mind.
0: Well, first of all, let me, let me say that my parents opened a preschool. That's how I got into the business originally in 1980. I was a janitor cleaning the school. So I've learned oh, from the bottom okay. up. I, I know how to clean toilets at preschools and work my way up. But let me let me uh, stress, the reason it's the learning experience is, is because that's what you, Ben, me, and everybody should strive every day, is to have a learning experience every single day. And mm-hmm. so for us, the learning experience is just that. You need to have a learning experience. Um, and so I strive each day. And, you know, it's amazing how many times I hear people, whether it's news or whether it's you know, politics, which I'm not a big fan of, or whether it's business leaders. And they throw in this phrase every once in a while. I had a learning experience. And so hmm. the fact is, that is why the name is so important, uh, because we all want that, uh, that experience to learn something each and every day. Um, and that's certainly what we provide to our children. And yeah, I, I love it.
1: And it seems like a like a, a continuous growth mindset, like you're there to educate the children and help them and provide a le- learning experience for them. But it sounds like as a leader, you're trying to walk the talk. Like, hey, we're not just here for them to learn, we're learning through them and through our own experiences. Uh, and it sounds like that's part of the, the culture.
0: Truth of matters, the greatest thing about our customer is they'll tell us exactly how they fail. Children tell you exactly <laughs> how they feel. They're not happy. They're going to express exactly how they're not happy. So I love the fact that our mm. customers are honest with us and tell us exactly how they feel.
1: What's the one trait you wish you could instill in every employee and why?
0: You know, culture is a, uh, is a critical, critical part of any brand experience. Um, it's if, if mm. I walked into my headquarters, or I walked into my child care center, the messaging from that employee, no matter what level they may be at, no matter where they are, including the janitor that I started at, the fact of the matter is they, when you ask what does the le- learning experience represent, they need to have the exact same message. But it's more important mm-hmm. for them to believe that message. And so, if I can instill anything into anybody is to realize is that you take out away in, in large corporations and we're large corporation, and certainly in the preschool space, you take away the hierarchy. And I have a open door policy and every single executive and every single person in this company needs to have an open communication. I tell everybody honesty is the best policy. And I would rather somebody walk into me and it doesn't matter what level you are, just walk in my office and tell me exactly how you feel. Tell me how I messed up. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Now, I may agree or not agree, but unless I hear it and with an honest perception, then the fact of the matter is that I'm not going to be a great leader. Um, Mm -hmm. And poor might say, you know, CEOs can put themselves on a pedestal. You can't do that. You need to hear from people how they feel. So I think the best thing I can instill is is that the freedom that they should that every single person in your organization should feel to be honest all the way to me as a CEO and founder of this organization.
1: Is it interesting you said that? So i to draw a connection. I recently the uh, interview's not quite published yet, uh, but with um, an executive officer, Dave Ross was on the show. He's he's at a, at a company called Ascent Logistics, but his background is actually as a Wall Street stock picker before that. And then he got into the more executive space. So I was deep diving him in an interview, and I and I said, well, how do you... I mean, you have this string of, of stock picking successes. How do you know? And he said, well, my secret strategy was I would go into a business that had a lot of different locations and just talk to the leaders about what they're focusing on. And are they all saying the same thing across locations? And if, I, and if they weren't, he's like, I knew... They weren't focused on the same thing and things were going to go south probably fairly quickly. And what you said really drives home that fact that you're looking for that kind of alignment and the communication across all of your different locations. And um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I like the emphasis on transparency and communication, but it's hard when you've got so many, I mean, you've got so many, over 300 centers. So what's, I mean, what what's your advice for leaders who maybe they're just trying to get alignment on their, like within their own team, <laughs> much less 300 across different locations?
0: Yeah, listen, we're, it is difficult, um, but a clear focus of ours. It's not that we just have 320 some odd operating centers. We open one, two new centers a week. Um, and so we have 263 centers under construction and development behind what we already have operating. So wow. we're fast growing. So when you grow that speed, you have to instill the constant culture amongst them all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I can walk into a center and I do it all the time. And I ask the people when I walk into, to just give me a moment in silence. I just want to hear I believe every business has a certain sound. Um, I can walk into my business, my childcare centers, and I can hear a sound. And it is amazing the, the, how you can perceive the difference between an organized business and a disorganized business. There is a distinct sound that you can hear. In a disorganized business. Now, my business is real clear because I told you kids are bluntly honest. Listen, you can hear crying children. I know I know the children aren't being entertained or being, providing education or keeping busy because a busy child is not an unhappy child. Two is that teachers, teachers mingling amongst each other in the middle of a school day, clearly not having great leadership. Um, I can hear the, the amount of paperwork that people are shoveling um, and environments shouldn't have paperwork. They should be able to monitor through tr- technology. And so that sound is something that I have to instill into every single leader at our centers. And that is a moment in time in every business to take a breath, because I mm. think sometimes we get get so wound up with w- and, and create, you know, mountains out of molehills. The fact of the matter is at one o'clock in the morning, your pressures are not the same when you wake up in the morning. They're much worse at one o'clock in the morning. So you have to, you have to really appreciate the fact everyone will get through it, but without that moment in time to just take a deep breath. Um, And I say to every franchisee, listen, there's five questions you need to ask yourself every day about your business. And if you answer those five questions and know those five questions before you leave the business every day, you'll know the momentum of your business. And if you just listen to your business, you will hear it. And so I, there's so many leaders that just don't hear their business. Um, and I think it's critical that disconnect um, for businesses that can fail. It's just a lack of leadership in many cases and a lack of you know, just not hearing those amongst you or the business itself.
1: Well, so I want to get to your five questions. But before that, this is cool, this idea of listening literally (laughs) listening to the business. So so you're going into a location, you go through the doors and you just close your eyes and listen. Is that, is that the process?
0: I'm not sure I close my eyes, but I definitely, I ask for a moment of silence. So I I just go in. um, I take a moment in time to just stand in the reception area and I just listen. Um, And you know, it's really cool because I can do the same thing through a video call and so when I have video calls with my my leaders and my centers I ask them to keep their doors open um, in their office um, because I can hear through the sounds on the video call uh, what's going on in the office Um, and disorganization has a clear distinct ring Um, and so you know I think it's a you know as a CEO, though, you got—I got it. I come from a different perspective. Listen, I'm a—I'm a—I'm a founder of a business. I started in this business as a, at 16 years of age. Um, I know this business backwards and forwards, um, and and therefore I, I think I can perceive um, problems before they happen or problems that are happening as they happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's always critical, and I tell fr- I tell franchisees the exact same thing. Give me a year and a half of dedicated time to operating your business where you can go to Hawaii and take a vacation and listen through the phone or listen through the video call how your business is operating. And I will teach you how to do that. But you can't do that unless you know your business better than anybody else. And so you have to dedicate yourself to learning your business.
1: Yeah, it's like a sixth sense. I mean, you're hearing it through or It through sound, but it's a sixth sense from, from operating for so long knowing the people, knowing the environment, and knowing what a great operating center or a great learning center sounds like. Exactly right. Uh, I think that's a a really cool strategy. And I am part of the leaders today. They probably haven't thought about that. But for you leaders today, do you know what a good business sounds like? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. That is that is such a cool little hack for leaders to be thinking about. Number one, understanding what good sounds like. We think about what it looks like, but what it sounds like, and then able to leverage into that more. Um, So moving on from that a little bit, you said there were five questions that you ask. I guess you're asking your CEOs to ask themselves these five. Is that right? Her.
0: Yes. Uh, listen, I think there are any, listen, every business has its uniqueness. Um, mm-hmm. Our business is, you know, how many tours did you do? New parents coming in. Yep. What's your closing ratio? Mm-hmm. What's your labor running? So how many hours a day are being, because most of our staff are, are hourly. How many hours a day are you booking? Well, what are your total deposits to date? Mm-hmm. And the last one, is what is your goals and affirmations for tomorrow? Mm. So mm-hmm. if you, if you and, and honestly, it's, it's amazing. Some people try to say, oh, my goals and affirmations for five years from today, or my goals and affirmations for a year today." Truth of matter is I have a goal and affirmation for tomorrow. And because it takes tomorrows to add up to the year, today to add up to the five years. Mm-hmm. And by accomplishing it in the small component, is easier that the mass component accomplishes itself. Um, And so part of the components of of goals and affirmations are one, to have the goal of a business model, plan your year coming up, know exactly what your budget is, Mm -hmm. but divide it by the business days of the month. How much do I have to collect? How many tours do I have to do? How many many hours am I permitted per hour of employment? You know, that's my goal tomorrow, to attain it. I need to register five more kids tomorrow. I need to register two more kids tomorrow. Uh, I need I have collections. I have parents past due tuitions. I need to collect my tuitions tomorrow. You know, those are goals. And and so while that fifth question of goal could drive five or six objectives, the fact of the matter is, is that it is important to recognize the goal the night before and obtain it the next day. Because a week from today, you just lost five business days of opportunity and goals.
1: Yeah, I think that's a key that great franchises nail down. They simplify an operating structure that people can just grab onto and really use. And if it's overly complicated, if it's running in too many directions, uh, it gets messy quick. You dil- dilute your focus, and I think all the leaders on listening today can benefit from this, right? Because if you're leading a team of five to ten people, you actually, you know, you can actually have them running in thirty different directions, still get some work done. But man, the power of simplifying it on a daily basis like this—you can ask yourself these questions and really drive your team's business, I think is really powerful. Is this something that you've been using with your team for and with your franchises for a long time, or is it a fairly recent thing? I, I,
0: listen, I, I have been the same person for a long time. The truth of the matter is I'm having a learning experience, as I said, each and every day, which makes me a better business, <laughs> man, business person tomorrow. Um, I am different, though, as a leader today than I was 20 years ago. I would have said 20 years ago that I was much more cold. Um, I was much more numbers driven um, where I'm very different today. Well, mm-hmm. the numbers are really important. I believe the components are more important and the numbers come if you meet the, uh, the objectives. Back then, I would really not have as much care for those amongst me but more of, hey, I'm attending my goal and I'm going to, yeah, I'm a bull and I'm going to drive through that China shop, right? Um, I have much more feelings, much more more opportunity to listen as I've indicated, but also listen to those that want to talk to me. I have a policy in my office, which I said earlier, and that is there is nothing you can say to me that I will hold against you. If you want to tell me to go jump in a lake and I really annoyed you, please do so. Because you know, the one thing I can tell you is, is that you're going to tell me honest, you know, that I say a lot jokingly. I The reason I mandate all franchisees to go to the convention every year is because I believe after they have a nighttime, after they have two shots of tequila, they're going to tell me
1: exactly how they feel. Right.
0: <laughs> get the so, real scoop in person. Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, honestly, you're not going to uh, get
1: that sound over <laughs> zoom or whatever. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. So, Duh. you know, for me, I think there's an opportunity um, as you age and you get, you know, more wisdom and we do get more wisdom as we age from experience um, that we should mature. I have seen many executives that haven't matured. I, I've seen many executives who who still act like kids. Many, and when I say kids act like kids in a managerial role, you know, have not matured. And in, in society today, as well as whether it's Sam Walton or Disney or anybody else, you have to care more about the people amongst you. You have to see more in them than they see in themselves. And that drives great leaders. Um, and so I am different today than I
1: was 20 years ago. So, what was the moment when you went from the self described sort of numbers bull in a china shop, or not you say china, but like bull, like focused yeah. determination to wait a minute, I'm going to shift my perspective or I'm going to round it or out or soften it? Like what was the moment where you, when you decided to do that? There was a moment.
0: I, I know I tell the story all the time. There was a Christmas party. This goes back maybe 15 years ago. Um, we had a, we had a Christmas party and uh, with the, into, all the uh, employees at the time. Now I call employees team members. Um, and one of those team members uh, came up to me later in the evening. Uh, we, were, we were at a bar at the end of the Christmas party. And she came up to me and she said to me, do you know my name? And we were a much smaller company at the time. And I said, no, I don't. But I said, that could be a good thing. Because if I knew your name, you probably weren't doing your job. And And honestly, after they left, I... I went back that night, I actually woke up the next morning, had a whole conversation with my wife, that I disappointed myself that I didn't know the person's name and we were not that big of a company at the time, but I was more disappointed with my answer. Hmm. And my answer should have been more caring. It should have been, no, please tell me about yourself. And Hmm. honestly, that changed me that night, Uh, that next morning when I woke up, I made a promise um, to care more about others than myself. And so it it was, it was changing for me at that one moment in time.
1: I got to (laughs) chill. Listen to that. I love that story. And, uh, I spent years working in a uh, corporation and I can tell you, I've had that conversation multiple times on both sides of the, Where I was receiving like is like the kind of conversation where it's probably good. I don't know your name because then it means you're doing your job, or you know, like that's good for you. And I was like, oh yeah, that is. And actually, the time I was like, oh yeah, that is good that he doesn't know my name because you know, like that. But then later I had some moments the same as you where I'm like, wait a minute, the business is the people ultimately. You know, the the financial side is a reflection of how well the people are doing in the business and how well we're treating our our customers. So. Hey there, this has Ben. thanks for tuning in to lead the team before we jump in. We just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe. So you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review, man. So as you've grown, probably hard to maintain that personal connection as much. And you've got, I mean, to be honest, it sounds like you're, you guys have got even growing even more. Uh, what advice do you have for leaders who want to maintain the caring, personal side of business? But we all know that the more people you have in your business, the more customers you have, the, more, the harder it is to maintain that.
0: So I, I do three things every day. Um, one, one. Uh, multiple times during the day, I walk around the office and I go to people's desks. Um, I usually pick people that may not be smiling uh, to find out what their issues may be. Um, And I ask how their day was. I ask how it's going. I ask how I can make their day better. Um, I do that every single day. Hmm. Um, Two, um, I take a moment in time for every single new hire. Um, When I say new hire, the ones that they headquarters in the field, not necessarily maybe all the teachers because we have thousands of them, um, but those that, that could be the receptionists we hire in the office. And I always start with a welcome. They always come to my office as new hires, and I spend moments of time, and I don't put a clock on it, and I just talk, and I'm just like, what are your expectation levels? Um, I want you to know how I can improve your day. Um, And three, I give every single person my cell phone number, every franchise location and every employee. And Mm -hmm. I tell everybody that everybody has the opportunity to call me. But there are some prerequisites. One, don't abuse it. Two, is that call me after you've gone up your chain of command, after you have had an opportunity to express your misgivings. Misgivings or your conversations that you want to have with those superior as, as that chain goes. And then, if none of that gets resolved to your satisfaction, then call me. And I tell people that I am available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want to hear from you. It
1: is so infrequently,
0: I may get hmm. three calls a year. Um, and, out of, and out of
1: how many total people with oh, your software?
0: <laughs> thousand employees. Um, and so, you, you know, honestly, I think what happens though, Ben, which is really important by doing so, I put everybody else in notice in a leadership role that they have an opportunity <laughs> to call me. And so they better hear their, their fellow team members and deal with it mm-hmm. because they have an opportunity to call me. So, uh, I, I felt that to be really important, um, but I tell everybody, I give everybody my cell phone number to call me.
1: I like that. And out of a hundred and thirty interviews plus only the team with CS like yourself, I've only heard that one other time, where they give the give the cell phone out, and it's like a to a a, a logistics uh, organization. And a similar thing where he's like, you know, it sounds like my phone would be blowing up, but it's not. Um, but I didn't get the other part of the story, which you just shared, which is, you know, why you think that is and and how you're approaching it. And you actually give them sort of guidelines, like, Hey, you can call me, but please do these steps first, because you also don't want it to be the first call. Correct. Uh, what's the most memorable call that you've ever, uh, gotten from a... Oh, I don't even
0: know I, if I can even say that. Listen, I, I've had calls <laughs> I've had calls where franchisees, you know, husbands and wives, where the husband leaves or wife leaves, a divorce, they're going to put the school in the middle of that transition and they want me to talk oh, to each other. And um, oh, I I, I oh. have had, I've had calls that hmm. you know, something personal in our lives happen um, and You know, um, I'm going to give constructive advice because I do care about everybody Um, and I can only do what I can do. But, um, you know, I I think it's important to realize, though, that in my business, especially preschool, I I tell everybody you don't have the right to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, We take care of children and it is viral to be negative. And I used to have a sign at the front door says no negatives beyond this point. And, and the purpose of that was is that when you had a really bad day or you had a fight with your significant other and you come to work in just a really bad mood, I guarantee you, guarantee you, you're going to put other people in that negative mode as you walk through the room.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it is very difficult to be happy. It takes, you know, much more energy to be happy than it does to be, you know, depressed. Um, but it's much more viral to be, to be uh, negative. So for me, mm-hmm. I much rather hear that from the employee and take an opportunity. I much rather say to, to a fellow team member, Hey, listen, I haven't seen you smile. Um, and they'll say, listen, I have, you know, a personal problem at home. I said, listen, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take the day off. I'm not going to have it as a vacation day or a sick day. Just take, just please deal with your issues. Do the best you can if i can help or i'm allowed to help i will certainly listen um but it's in best interest of the children in our center mm-hmm. and your fellow mm-hmm. team members um and so i'm known around the office i don't see a smile on the face i'm going to ask what's going on and you know and to you know deal with by you know leaving the environment for the moment
1: well I've seen the research quoted many times where it takes fewer muscles to smile than frown. <laughs> but, but I know sometimes life gets in the way and just things happen. And, uh, yeah, I, I, there is a research too that emotions are contagious. Yep. And the last place you want to do it is into a care facility where you're trying to create a positive environment. Richard, this has been, this interview has been so much fun. Uh, what's your parting thought for listeners today?
0: Listen, I, I, uh, I, I would say to everybody, um, you know, it's, everyone talks about chasing your dreams. The, the fact of the matter is this. I, I, I would rather talk to the younger part of your audience that um, is thinking of taking risks in life. Hmm. It is far easier to take risks when you're younger than when you're, when you're older. And so for the younger part of the audience, cause I think it is important for us to instill into the younger generations, the opportunity to, to grow and have their dreams. Because if you never take the risk, you never know whether you could have accomplished it. So take the risk when you're young, as you get older, it takes a little bit, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, but you know, never forget from once you came and that is remember all the lessons you've learned, all the mistakes you made, um, and if you don't learn from your mistakes, then you're bound to fail time
1: and time again. Awesome. Thanks, Richard.
0: Thank you, Ben. I appreciate your time.
1: If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com/quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative: The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to BenFanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of The Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to BenFanning.com.